July 5th, 2022. This is FOMO's a Mofo, a video game collecting podcast. Coming up on today's episode, a sexy action game is returning for a remake. The Nintendo Switch finally gets a popular JRPG series. And Fantasy Star Online 2 is announced for a popular console. Welcome to FOMO's a Mofo, a video game collecting podcast, episode 19. I am your host, Blue Swim, and we are live on Spreaker.com and on Spreaker's podcast player app, as well as streaming digitally after the fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Deezer, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, and Savan, and I think maybe CastBox is in there too. I keep forgetting to put that in the opening portion of my outline. Anyways, well, I hope everybody had a happy and safe 4th of July and uh, can count to 10 on your fingers, or at least can count as high as you uh, could count on your fingers uh, before <laughs> before the fireworks came into the play. Uh, well, let me tell you. Uh, here's what... My uh, 4th of July is going to be remembered for, at least to me personally. Okay, so, warm day, great pool day, and I'm thinking, okay, I'll take a dip and enjoy the uh, rest of the fireworks festivities later on. And uh, then I get uh, mauled by my neighbor's cat, and my hand gets all cut up, and I can't go in the pool, because apparently you're not supposed to swim in the pool when you have, like, cuts on your hands or anything like that because uh, you can get sick or something. So it's like, well, fuck. <laughs> oh, I swear. That cat is nuts. He's He belongs to my neighbors, but he has kind of adopted us, for, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Um, he has a couple of cat brothers that he doesn't get along with, I guess. And he just likes to come here and sleep, so uh, he pretty much he pretty much does. He's always chilling out in our backyard or something. But um, loving the pieces, but he's a furry little psycho sometimes. Uh, then, you know, I'm looking out the window, and this is a little later on, and I notice this unusual bird walking around on, on uh, the patio. And I'm thinking, okay, now wait a minute. That doesn't look like some sort of a wild bird. That looks like some domestic thing. You know, it looks like somebody's pet. So I scramble outside to uh, to go try to possibly safely catch it if possible, which, you know, it was not <laughs> it was not the sort of thing. The thing, uh, the bird flew off. And, um, you know, I'm outside, I'm looking around, and I'm scanning the trees to see if it's, you know, somewhere nearby, because I figure, you know, a bird like that, it's probably, you know, it's probably somebody's pet, probably flew out of the house or something when they were going in or going out or something. So I'm out there, and I'm uh, looking around, looking up at the trees, looking around, and uh, this one bird flies right in front of me, and I'm looking, and i am got my hand over, over my forehead trying to block out the sun. And just as I'm following that bird, I happen to notice that uh, my neighbor was... Uh, out in a two-piece bikini, a rather good-fitting uh, two-piece bikini. <laughs> and 
and I'm like accidentally getting like an eyeful and I'm feeling I'm just feeling like I'm not I'm not peeping I'm not peeping I'm just looking for a bird <laughs> oh lord and uh I mean nobody got upset or anything but uh yeah that that's basically was my 4th of July <laughs> Oh, yeah, just cringing in a tiny little ball in the corner, thinking, I wasn't doing anything. <laughs> oh, dear. But, yeah, I was not able to find that bird either, so that was doubly disappointing. But, um, oh, well. At least I made the effort. But, yeah, that is what it is. Well, anyways, coming up on today's show... Uh, we're going to have some decent things to talk about in collecting news, like the return of a uh, action game franchise from the uh, PS360 era that, uh, quite frankly, it's going to be interesting to see how they do it nowadays. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you'll find out about that. Uh, a very popular JRPG series finally comes to Switch. Uh, and then another popular... RPG series is also apparently coming to Switch. I mean, there's... What isn't coming to Switch at this point? Besides Tekken. Come on, Harada-san. I know your shirts say don't ask you for shit, but I'm asking you for shit. Put Tekken on Switch. <laughs> and uh, then in new releases, we have a uh, big racing game coming out, or that just came out, I should say. And uh, let's see, da, 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 a return of a party game franchise that uh, is actually relatively popular. Uh, some classics from the PS360 era hit the uh, hit the Switch. I mean, that's basically... <laughs> I mean, honestly, it just feels like everything's hitting the Switch, and that's the biggest news to talk about because this, that's what people care about, is just stuff coming to the Switch. But... Um, in addition to that, there's also a uh, visual novel meets shmup that just came out. Uh, yeah, that seems kind of interesting. I always love it when like these two genres that have absolutely nothing to do with each other get like duct taped together, because usually you get some really really good stuff. But um, yeah, that's uh, that's going to be interesting. And uh, then in pickups and impressions, I'll talk about uh, two. Wait for it. Nintendo Switch games <laughs> uh, that I've been playing a little bit of recently. And then that will be a show. One quick break and we are off to the races with Collecting News. It's time for Collecting News. And the first thing on the docket is the return of Lollipop Chainsaw. Now, if you did not play Lollipop Chainsaw, it was basically this Suda51 Grasshopper Studios uh, zombie slasher action comedy sexy action game. <laughs> this thing was fucking ridiculous. And I mean, it had some design issues with it that uh, held it back a little bit. But the thing was so fucking weird that it was hard not to love it. So, um... Basically, uh, Lollipop Chainsaw is going to be returning for a remake next year. Uh, Grasshopper Studios apparently has bought the, uh, the Lollipop Chainsaw IP from uh, Kadokawa Games. 
and they are pretty much or pretty well along, I should say, with the development of it. And uh, basically, they put out this long statement from the uh, producer of the remake of Lollipop Chainsaw, or and maybe the original. Maybe uh, let's see, let's see. Let's see. He served as director and producer on the original, I guess it was. Uh, Yoshimi Yasuda. Basically, uh, according to this, uh, it looks like they said they have, uh, let's see, we have contacted Warner Brothers about development and are being supported by them in this endeavor. I don't know if that means they're going to publish it or if it's just, you know, them giving their uh, blessings on a remake of it. But, um... You know, uh, let's see. They say as a result of, um, you know, I guess licenses expiring, the original game, the original Lollipop Chainsaw can't be released on modern consoles because it had a licensed soundtrack. It had like a Oh Mickey and God, I can't remember any of the other songs on it because it's been so long. But, um, yeah, basically the uh, licenses for the soundtrack expired, so they can't sell the game, and they're just going to remake it. And um, that is going to be a very interesting game to see what they do with it here in the modern times of uh, 2022, and by the time it comes out, 2023. Uh, Since, you know, there's been a lot of change in what's considered acceptable in the U.S., and, I mean, Lollipop Chainsaw, if you didn't play it, one of the achievements or trophies or whatever for the game was basically rotating the camera underneath Juliet's skirt. Because Ju- if you didn't, never played the game, it stars this uh, high school cheerleader with a chainsaw and her boyfriend's sawed-off head strapped to her waist. Like, she had some way of keeping him alive because he got bitten by zombies or something. I mean, it's just some crazy shit. <laughs> I mean, check your brain at the door. I mean, <laughs> But, um, you know, the game always had, you know, a very high amount of uh, fan service or sex appeal to it, however you want to word it. But it was done so over the top. It was kind of like Bayonetta, how they handle uh, sexuality in the Bayonetta series as well. It was like, it's so ridiculous that it's comical. And it's the entire point of it, really. But with modern standards being so prudish, I guess you'd say, uh, I wonder if they're going to make some design changes or scale things back a bit. Um, I, tr- truth be told, I'd hate to see them scale back anything with with uh, with regards to the sexuality of it. You know, I I've, the way I see it, it's like there's so much worse going on in society besides an anime-based video game character having an upskirt, you know? (laughs) I mean, it's so much worse than that out there. And when you try to censor stuff just because you personally are offended from it, I I feel like that's the kind of time when you actually, or when whatever's trying to get censored should actually go ahead with whatever their original vision for the project is. Um, you know, just because you don't like something doesn't mean it should not exist. You know, um, 
especially when it comes to, you know, TV shows, movies, video games, stuff like that. Because there's a lot of stuff out there that, you know, is not appropriate for all audiences. And just because it's not suitable for everyone or some people might get offended at the level of sexuality that it has or whatever, you know, that doesn't mean that it should be just either, you know, just bleached of anything that's like remotely offensive and or just scrapped altogether you know you have to realize some things aren't for you you don't have to like something you know don't you know don't just don't give it the time of day don't waste your efforts on it but then again that's outrage culture you know i don't like thing things shouldn't exist Hant wrong <sighs> Anyways, let's move on to something a little bit more upbeat, since that kind of took a somewhat depressing turn. <laughs> uh, the Persona series is finally coming to Nintendo Switch. So apparently somebody at Atlas really does know that people like the Persona games, and they want them on the Switch. They finally got the fucking memo. So basically, the uh, release the release schedule kind of looks like this. You have in October of this year, October twenty first to be exact, Persona Five Royale or Royal Persona Five Royal. There's no way at the end, so it's not Royale, not about Royal. <laughs> uh, anyways, Persona Five is going to be hitting the Nintendo Switch. And what's interesting about this is that it's going to be getting a physical release. It's getting, as a matter of fact, there's a uh, little uh, spreadsheet for the three games that have been announced, which are Persona 4 Golden and uh, Persona 3 Portable, all, all three of those games, you know, along with Persona 5, obviously. Uh, so basically, um, there's going to be a physical release for Persona 5 Royal on, uh, on Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, PlayStation 5, which it's already out on PlayStation 5, obviously, and uh, and the Nintendo Switch. So that's good. We like physical releases. Now the bad news. Persona 4 Golden and Persona 3 Portable are going to be digital only on all platforms that they are coming out on. That includes... The ones I just mentioned, actually. PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch. Uh, it's already out on Steam. Uh, it's coming to Windows, Xbox One, Series X and S. And all three of these are going to be on Game Pass. So that's a good thing, at least. God, that Xbox Game Pass is a good value. But um, I know there was talk sometime back that there was going to be a possible bundle with Persona 4 Arena Ultimax and Persona 4 Golden. Um, we never heard anything more about it. So, the spreadsheet, this list right here, I guess you'd say, basically seemingly, at least for the time being, deconfirms the physical release for Persona 4 Golden on Switch, which really, really sucks. Because I just, I love having these things physical, you know, physically, you know, it's just, that's gaming to me, you know? Popping a cartridge in a in a system, that's, that's just, I mean, it's uh, tradition, if you will. I mean, digital is really convenient until you uh, fill up your virtual fridge, and then it's like, fuck. <sighs> but um, 
there is no release date uh, yet for Persona 4 Golden and Persona 3 Portable on any of the systems, but um, that is definitely, definitely going to be worth picking up. Those are fantastic games. I've played through Persona 3 Portable. I played that on uh, PSP, the original Persona 3 Portable, and um, I have it on uh, PS2 as well, but uh, I never got around to finishing either the main campaign of that or the uh, original or the uh, additional Fess uh, mission or story mode or whatever. And that's kind of weird because Persona 3 Portable doesn't have that content, that additional story content. A little bit weird choice to kind of bring that one forward, but oh well. It's better than nothing, and uh, that was a really, really good game, i got to tell you. Um, let's see, and uh, Persona 4 Golden, that was on the PS Vita. Played through that uh, front to back. Man, I, I played that over the stretch of about a year, a year or so. It's like it almost worked out perfectly, because the game takes place over the span of a year. And uh, it kind of timed out pretty well um, uh, for my playthrough of it. But um, I'm looking forward to revisiting that. That game was so good. I loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Now, that's not the only thing coming to Switch. We have news of Near Automata, the end of Yorha edition, coming to the Switch on October 6th. And... This is kind of mind-boggling because this was like a PS4 game. As a matter of fact, I have it on PS4. I never got around to even taking the plastic off of it. And um, basically, this is a pretty intense uh, action game, I believe, from Platinum Games. And uh, this is getting a physical and digital release, um, like I said, in October for only 40 bucks. That's That's really, really good. And uh, apparently the uh, the game's being ported by Virtuous, who handled um, the Outer Worlds. Um, God, there's like a, several other... Let's see, I think they did the Bioshock games on the Switch. It's like they've ported... They've done like basically the impossible quote-unquote ports to the Switch, and they've... <laughs> They've hit it pretty close to the mark, uh, at least more than they haven't. And uh, basically, the game's going to run at 60 frames per second for the environments of the game. And the actual gameplay or the action of it is going to be in 30 frames per second. So that might be a little bit weird or jarring, maybe. Um, but we'll see how it works out. Uh, apparently it is going to be, I want to say it's going to have 1080p docked, 720p in portable mode. So, I mean, it's saying all the right things. I mean, who knows if they're going to have any dips or anything like that. Um, but yeah, that's very encouraging. And, um, the, almost the immediate reaction, because, you know, this is a Square Enix franchise, is, um... The Kingdom Hearts fans got absolutely fucking livid over this shit. Because you have Nier Automata getting a dedicated port to the Switch. And then you have 
the Kingdom Hearts games, which, save for uh, Melody of Memories, which got a native release on the Switch, they're all cloud games. I'd be pissed too. Let me tell you. All it takes to make me happy as a gamer is to put the actual game on the actual system. I don't want this cloud gaming bullshit. Don't waste my fucking time with it. Don't care. Don't want it. Not gonna buy it. Especially at full price or whatever the uh, Kingdom Hearts games launched at. Yeah, it was too fucking much, let me tell you. I want to say they had a bundle for like 89 bucks. I think I covered it on the uh, on the show at some point. But we're getting near the six uh, the six month mark on it, so I've kind of forgotten a few things here and there. But uh, we'll see what happens with it. But I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic that this is going to be a uh, a good port. Uh, yeah, Virtuous seems to know what the hell they're doing, so that should be good. And something else that should be good is the Mega Man Battle Network Legacy Collection. And this is coming to uh, Switch, uh, PlayStation, I think PS4. I'm not sure about PS5, if it's going to be like PS4 and then you can play it on PS5 or what. Um, don't know about Xbox, maybe? Probably? Something like that. Forgot to make a note of that. But... Um, Basically, the uh, Mega Man Battle Network games were on the uh, Game Boy Advance. And uh, basically, you have this kind of like a school setting with like everybody being obsessed with like some sort of like internet digital game or something like that. Or just interacting with the internet using these AI robots. And of course, one of them is Mega Man. And... Um, this uh, collection is going to compile all 10 of the Battle Network games. And I think it was like 1, 2, and let's see. I, I, I'm trying to remember. I guess it was six Battle, Mega Man Battle Network games, was it? I don't know. Anyways, so basically this is going to compile all 10 of the games. And the reason why I was getting confused about the count is because several of them were, like, blue version and white version or something like that. So there's, like, a couple duplicates or different versions or variations or whatever in there, so I was trying to remember those off the top of my head, and I failed miserably. Uh, but this collection is going to be getting a physical release, and if it's like uh, what they did with the previous Mega Man games on the Switch, it's going to be a physical game release for the first half of the compilation and then a digital code for the second. We don't know exactly how they're going to do this, but it is going uh, to get a physical release. And um, this compilation is also going to add a gallery with over a thousand images, 188 songs from the entire series. And um, yeah, basically these things are going to be split up digitally uh, in two collections, so uh, we'll see how that plays out. But um, the Battle Network games have been like one of those things where it's like, save for maybe the Mega Man Legends series, it's like been one of those more requested bring this Mega Man thing back uh, games. So uh, to see that finally get a uh, modern compilation, it feels like it's about time. And uh, those games should be really good. 
And uh, speaking of games that should be really good, you have Atari 50, the anniversary celebration. And this is going to be a compilation of, I believe it's about 90 Atari games spanning the entire history of the company, uh, including games on the 2600, the Lynx, and the Jaguar. And this is being done by Digital Eclipse, which they did a lot of ports for Capcom back in the PS2 era, and I think they also did the uh, Sega... Let's see, Sega Genesis Collection on PS2 as well? I mean, they're they're a pretty popular name for porting games. Um, but uh, this is also going to feature six never-before-released games, so I'm not sure if they're, like, brand-new originals or stuff that was just buried in the archives. But they're going to have a whole ton of uh, extra content as well in the gallery mode, like behind the scenes and interviews and stuff like that. Um, this is going to be a really interesting compilation, and it comes out this year, this November... Um, no, no details on price yet, but, um, the trailer had just had so many games in it that I could not make, make notes qu quick enough because they just, uh, they just threw them out there. <laughs> um, it is looking really, really good though. And I, I just, I love compilations of older games on modern systems, you know, just put them all on there, get everything on one system. That's like, I mean... I know the one console future is unrealistic, but it's a nice dream, dude. Let me tell you. Uh, let's see. Moving on. We have some news of a game apparently facing delisting on the Nintendo Switch. And it is a digital board game based based on a actual board game, I think, uh, called Pandemic. And if you haven't had enough of the pandemic and you want to play a game based on a pandemic, there's Pandemic on the Switch for the time being. So apparently it's going to get delisted sometime this month, but it is on sale for $7.99 down from $20, if I remember correctly. And it's going to be on sale through uh, July 10th, which might be when it gets delisted. I don't know. Um, again, this is why I like physical games, because something won't get delisted, you know? <laughs> if it's physical, it's out there forever, or close to it. But, um, the game itself, like I said, is $7.99 on sale, and there's also some DLC for it as well. I think it's like three packs of DLC, and two of them are free, and the other one I want to say is like less than $2, like $1.79 or something like that. And um, that's on sale as well, uh, down to $1.79 or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, you might want to consider picking that one up. It looks like a pretty interesting game, actually. I've heard some good things about it. Um, you know, it's a good option if you like playing board games, but uh, don't have many people locally because of the pandemic uh, to play them with. Now, moving on, we have even more stuff coming to the Switch. <laughs> I swear, I'm, I feel like I'm becoming a broken record with that with that phrase now. But Star uh, Sword Art Online, not Star Art Online. That's a there's going to be a star and an online in, the, in just a few minutes. But uh, 
Sword Art Online Elishization? Oh, God, here we go. Elishization Lycoris? I have no idea anymore. Anyways, so this game came out on the PS4. Uh, It's been pretty far along in its lifespan. And uh, I'm not sure if it's still going on or what, if they are still adding to it or what. I think it might be done, but don't hold me to it. But this is coming to the Switch. Uh, There's no firm release date, just coming soon. Uh, But apparently it is going to include the anime's Alicization arc. I I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right or not. Um, As well as the game's, like, chorus arc and the first four Ancient Apostles, oh, thank God, something I can pronounce, uh, updates. <laughs> and um, then after launch, there's going to be both free and paid DLC. Uh, you know, I played the uh, first Sword Art online. As a matter of fact, I think I mentioned it on um, my Switch buying guide or Hidden Gems game, or Hidden Gems podcast episode. But yeah, I played, well, maybe not the first Sword Art Online game, but the first one on Switch. And uh, that's actually a really, really good game from what I've played. It's basically the, uh, it's basically an MMO, but offline, but it still keeps the presentation and traits of an MMO. I mean, it's it's weird, it's unusual, but it's it's really, really, really good. I think I've only put about, like, 15 hours into it, so I haven't seen just a shred of what it has to offer. Because that, that basically was the complete edition of it. So it had all the DLC and the expansions and stuff like that all worked in, so there was, like, a shit ton of content I still haven't gotten around to experiencing with it yet. But what I played of it was excellent. So hopefully this one will be as well. And if it says coming soon, I'm imagining... It might be a late summer, early to mid-fall release, if I had to guess. I'm pretty sure it's going to be this year, though. Especially if it's coming soon. I mean, you don't just stick coming soon on a game that's coming out, like, ten months from now, you know? Uh, yeah. So that'll be here before you know it. Maybe it'll even come out around August 31st, just like Fantasy Star Online 2 New Genesis Global when it comes to the PlayStation 4. So yeah, you know that, uh, I'm not sure if you, it it was too popular to call it a cult classic MMO, but it wasn't like World of Warcraft popular, I don't believe. I mean, it's like, it's one of the most popular console MMOs that I can recall. And, uh, that is finally coming to PS4, and I think it was on, I want to say Microsoft got like some sort of an exclusivity deal on it, so it's been on the Xbox for some time, I believe, maybe two or three years, something like that, if I'm remembering things off the top of my head properly. Uh, but this is coming to this the uh, PS4 uh, at the end of next month. So uh, if you've uh, been wanting to jump back into uh, PSO, uh, got some good news for you. It's going to happen, and this is a uh, U.S. thing as well, I believe. So, uh, yeah. That's uh, definitely some good news, because I know that's one of those things that so many people talk about with 
you know, so much love to to the tone, you know. Um, well, it's just around the corner. Now, um, this is a rather unusual game, and I dig it. I really dig it, and you know, you know, I'm serious about about this one. Because I did my uh, little special about uh, talking tokusatsu, tokushatsu, Ultraman, and uh, Super Sentai. So you know I'm into tokusatsu stuff. And we are getting Ultra Kaiju Monster Rancher here in the States as a digital exclusive. And this is going to be hitting the Nintendo Switch. I'm not sure about other platforms. I didn't see anything about other platforms. I just heard the Switch. And, um, basically, this is going to combine the monsters, the kaiju, if you will, of the various Ultraman franchises and series and spin-offs, and good lord, there's so many of them. And I have a lot of them on Blu-ray that I still haven't gotten around to watching yet, because, let's be honest here, an entire season of that show is like 40-something hours, or 50-something hours, maybe, depending on the, uh, the length of it. So, yeah, that, uh, that, that takes a bit of time to get through but uh this is going to use the uh like the traditional monster rancher cd approach but because the switch doesn't have a cd drive i guess they're figuring out some different way of doing it i think who knows uh but basically you are going to be able to train and eventually combine two of your kaiju monsters into one super kaiju form and, uh, I, I mean, I wonder if you're going to face Ultraman at some point. I mean, you have to, right? The entire point of this game should be to make a kaiju strong enough to beat Ultraman. And if that isn't the plot of this, I'm going to be thoroughly disappointed. <laughs> but, um, I think that's coming this year. I don't know that they have a firm release date on it. But, um... That is definitely on my radar, and that's I think that's getting a physical release in Asia. So uh, I think the Asian release, release is going to have English in it. I could be wrong. But, um, God, I hear so much in the course of one day. It's hard to keep all the gaming news straight. I try my damnedest. Sometimes I actually succeed at it. <laughs> now, the last bit of news, and this is one that I'm... I'm partially disappointed about, but at the same point, I also know it's early, so it could happen still. Um, but the Nintendo Switch is going to be getting more Alcana. Now, if you remember Alcana Four Rhythms to the Blue, if I remember the subtitle correctly, uh, was a visual novel series about this um, this flying jetpack, or well, not jetpack, I guess the the flight elements were built into shoes, so I'm not sure how you word that one. But basically, there was this uh, on uh, flying uh, sport called Flying Circus, I think it was, or FC for short. And um, the visual novel, I mean, it it was really, really good from what I've played of it. It's um, anime style, of course, and... Um, you know, it, the dialogue was pretty punchy. You know, you had your typical, uh, you know, your tropey anime characters here and there. But um, 
you know, it, it was written very well. It was localized into English, which is uh, more than what I can say for Alcana Extra 1, which is uh, the uh, newest announcement for the Alcana series. Uh, it's uh, confirmed for the Switch, but we don't have an English version of it announced yet, at least. And I think the last one was brought over by P-Cube, and it was... I mean, it's one of my... It's my favorite visual novel on Switch, I think. Um, but uh, I think this is the uh, extra chapters that the PC version got, so they're starting to port those over to the Switch. So I guess the, uh, the Switch port did do pretty well, thankfully. Um... It's been sold out for a while, I think, in most places, so I'm I'm sure it's probably getting up there in price by now. But um yeah, Extra One is uh the name of it, and I think they had several different extras already on PC, so uh hopefully these will get an English version. And um in the meantime, if you haven't played the original Alcana Either track it down digitally or physically. It is absolutely worth playing. Good, good anime, uh, visual novel. There's some visual novels I played on Switch, like uh, was it Root Memories or something like that, where it just feels like it drags on and on and on, and it just doesn't get to the point quick enough for my liking. This was not the case with Alcana. This one, you know, moved along at a pretty decent pace and. That's what I really like. I'm more of a manga reader than a uh, traditional book reader. You know, I like things to move along at a relatively brisk pace because I'm, I'm never able to sit down and really commit a long amount of time to reading or doing or playing or <laughs> enjoying much of anything because I'm always bouncing from one thing to another, one project I got to do uh, to the next. But yeah, definitely check out the uh, original Alcana and... Uh, Keep your fingers crossed, and uh, maybe we will get the uh, extra content or the extra expansion or spinoff or standalone release, however you want to call it, uh, over in the States pretty soon. Hopefully. Maybe. Well, that will do it for Collecting News. Back in a moment with new releases. Let's talk new releases. And first up, we get to talk about Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak which I believe I might have missed on the last episode I did. I don't know how that actually happened, because I keep talking about it at one point or another. Uh, but basically, this is the massive DLC expansion for Monster Hunter Rise, and we've known about this for several months now. And it is a uh, beefy update, because the uh, standard version of it is $39.99 all by itself. And uh, there's also a deluxe version for another $10, which adds a, um, a deluxe kit DLC pack or something like that with a bunch of layered armor sets, a few gestures, and some cosmetic things like hair or something like that. And, um, you know, this is supposed to be a massive, like, ever-evolving update as well. Uh, because they're going to add some new monsters over the next several months in, into next year, I believe. And they haven't laid out their plans beyond that. 
But uh, if you want to get your hands on a physical version, the uh, closest you are going to get is a bundle for $69.99, which includes uh, a physical version of Monster Hunter Rise on a game card, and apparently a digital code for Sunbreak. But, um, yeah, apparently if you want more Monster Hunter, yeah, that's uh, definitely the way to do it. And it's uh, apparently pretty good, too, from what I've heard. And, um, uh, let's see, moving on, we also have a uh, brand new installment in the uh, F1 racing series from EA, I believe. I think they did F1 21 as well. And I'm I'm going off the top of my head on this. I want to say Codemasters is handling the the driving gameplay, so that should mean that it's pretty decent. Because uh, they did the um, was it Colin McRae games and some other ones as well. I mean they're pretty pretty good when it comes to racing titles. Um. So uh, this is hitting both uh, PS4 and Xbox One, and that's uh, $59.99. And then, of course, you can get the uh, current-gen version. That's right, I called it current-gen. We're getting one step closer to being retro again. (laughs) Um, You can get the uh, current-gen version on PS5 and Xbox Series X and S for $69.99. I haven't heard too much on the negative side about microtransactions when it comes to uh, F1. Uh, we'll have to kind of keep our fingers crossed that everything stays as uh, decent as we hope it is. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if they had some sort of uh, F1 equivalent of Ultimate Team in there some way, somehow. Could be interesting. Uh, depending on how they execute it. But, um, yeah, that's out now. As is Rabbids Party, uh, Rabbids Party of Legends, I should say, uh, which is available on, I believe, all platforms for $39.99. And this is a return to the classic style of Rabbids games, which were the uh, minigame, party game, uh, games on like the Wii it's like the Rabbids really became icons because of the that original uh, Rayman raving Rabbids on the Wii and of course the uh, you know the whole uh, promotional videos and shaking the joy cons and stuff like that it's like that that game really uh, that did a lot to uh, make the Wii a must have console back then and apparently this is kind of a return to form and um it features, I want to say, like, rabid versions of, like, historical figures. I could be wrong about that. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Rabbids games are always really, really good. And um, I doubt this is going to be any different. And if anything, you know, the sense of humor is what keeps you going with, with the Rabbids games as much as the gameplay. Th- those, those fucking bunnies are out of their minds. And we love them for it. <laughs> but yeah, that's out now and that is I believe 39.99 on Switch. I'm not sure about how much it is on other platforms. I want to say it's 39.99 everywhere, but don't hold me to it. Now, 
There was a certain little difficult action platforming game or whatever by the name of Cuphead. And it has finally gotten its DLC, The Delicious Lash, Last Course. The Delicious Lash Course? That, that, that's, that sounds kinky. That sounds like something that would be in Lollipop Chainsaw or something. <laughs> but yes, The Delicious Last Course DLC has finally hit uh, Cuphead on, I believe, all platforms. And you can grab it for only $7.99. Or if you don't have the game itself, you can get a bundle for $26.99. Which, if I had to guess without knowing off the top of my head, that's probably that's probably retail for both the game and the DLC, if I had to guess. Or maybe... Uh, Maybe it saves you five bucks at most. Yeah, that's that's pretty close to retail off the top of my head. I want to say Cuphead was like normally twenty bucks to begin with, but uh, apparently it is brutally fucking difficult as usual, and uh, it's also apparently really good too. And now that the DLC is out, I believe there's talk of a physical version possibly coming at some point. Um, maybe they've been talking about it for a while now, but they were waiting for the DLC. Not quite sure. I don't keep up with Cuphead as well. I, I heard it was brutally difficult and my eyes kind of glazed over a bit. I'm getting to the point where actually finishing games is the difficult part. I don't necessarily want something that's just going to beat my ass relentlessly. <laughs> yeah, I got I got enough of that just staring at my backlog. Yeah, good luck getting through this JRPG collection. 99 hours to get through one time. Oh, hell no. Uh, yeah, no. Gee, tough enough just getting things done. But there's also been a new compilation released on the Switch, and that is the Portal Companion Collection. Also titled the... Why do you want to kill me, Collection? Whatever the joke was in the trailer, I I laughed my fucking ass off at it. I mean, the uh, the Portal games are really, really good. I, I played through the first one, and I have the second one. I really haven't done much of anything with it. But uh, I've heard it's even better than the first one, so yeah. Take it however you will, but you can get two Portal games on the Switch uh, with local split screen and online co-op for 20 bucks, which is a damn good deal, I must say. Because uh, those games, if you haven't played them in a while or haven't played them at all, uh, yeah. It's it's like the experience is like, you know, you're doing puzzles with this portal gun. You have to get this, like, companion cube from, like, here to there and stuff like that. You're basically... You're a uh, rat in a maze, and the, the maze is constructed by this uh, crazy, psychotic, murderous computer called GLaDOS. And, I mean, the sense of humor of the game, the dark humor of it, is just incredible, dude. You know, it, it's one of those games where you play it as much for the dialogue as you do for the actual gameplay itself. It just really ended up being something special. And twenty bucks is not bad for that. Uh, digital, digital only for the moment. Uh, who knows about a physical release? Maybe later on. Would be nice. Wouldn't mind having the uh, the orange box on the Switch at some point. 
Although apparently because of uh because of Portal finally coming to the Switch, uh modders have been able to bring Half-Life 2 to the Switch. So uh yeah, if you're into the modding scene, uh there's that. <laughs> so um got to love it. Got to love it. 20 bucks is not a bad price for it either. Now the last thing to talk about on new releases is something called uh Yuru Kill. Uh the culmination games. <sighs> oh boy. I'm taking a drink. <laughs> yeah, so anyways. This is a and you know what I was saying earlier about combining, you know, two different genres with each other? Here's another one of those get kind of games. This one combines visual novels with shmups. <laughs> I I swear it it's a brilliant idea. But um this one basically involves you uh being wrongfully accused of a crime or something like that and then you get sent to this like weird carnival and you have to play these different games to survive or something it's weird there's a demo of it out there i haven't tried it yet but um apparently it's another one of those things where uh apparently the shmup gameplay on it is actually really good and the visual novel elements are really good uh you know it's just one of those things where again you know the uh the uh final product is uh greater than the uh some of the individual parts of it i love stuff like that i love seeing genres that you don't think would go together go together it just works it's kind of like with uh act razor it's like the classic act razor that's like one of my favorite examples you know it's like you had side-scrolling action meets god sim and it sounds crazy it sounds ridiculous there actually is a remake of it on the switch but um you know, it ended up working really, really well, and it's actually one of my favorite Super Nintendo games. And um, I don't know that uh, Act Racer was it Renaissance. I'm trying to remember the subtitle off the top of my head, but basically, it was a remake of the original Act Racer, and um, it hit the Switch, but it never got a physical release. It's just a digital-only title from Square Enix. And it was okay. It was kind of, um, you know, maybe they changed some things up a little bit with the presentation. You know, typical remake stuff where it's like, it's okay, but it, some in some ways it kind of misses the mark a little bit. But at the very least, the original Act Racer was fucking fantastic. Easily one of my favorite games on the uh, SNES. I, I, actually, the first time I uh, got my hands on a, on a uh, cartridge for it, I marathoned it all day long, and I ended up beating it in, like, one eight- or nine-hour session. Great, great game. Let me tell you. Well, that will do it for new releases. Back in a moment with pickups and impressions. And we are back for the final segment, which is pickups and impressions. And I got two good things to talk about. The first of which is Triangle Strategy. Now, this is a modern, retro, hybrid uh, strategy role-playing game, like uh, like Final Fantasy Tactics 
or Disgaea. I love the Disgaea example because those games are just fantastic. Love the personality on the Disgaea games. And with this one, uh, I've gotten through the first chapter of it. And uh, basically, you know, you are, you know, thrust into this this world where there's like three different warring nations or soon to be warring nations, I should say. Um, I, I guess they're recovering from war, something like that. But each one of them controls like some sort of an element. Uh, some have iron, another has salt, the other controls a lot of water or something like that. And it led to something called like the salt iron war or something like that. And, um, basically it's one of these, like, kind of, uh, I'm going to use the term medieval just because I lack a better term to describe it. Just, you know, like the, kind of the high fantasy, you know, medieval type things. And, um, the first stage starts out with, uh, the main character and I forget the name. Surprise, surprise, me forgetting a name. And, um, basically he goes to a... Uh, a port, uh, one of you know, in one of one of his kingdom's ports, because he is to meet his bride to be. Apparently, the two of them are going to be getting married to help strengthen the relationship between these two different kingdoms. And then some bandits attack, and <laughs> and um, you know, basically, you get you know thrust into battle, and um. Let me tell you, it's like the strategy role-playing games. Oh, another good example is like Fire Emblem. It's like these games, they have like so much going on with them that it's almost mind-boggling and difficult to keep them all straight. But somehow you do at the same time. Um, you know, uh, there's basically like the ability to like team up against enemies. It's like if you have somebody that's in front of the one enemy and another that's on the opposite side of it, either the back or, you know, maybe left and right sides or something like that, then you can do like some sort of combo attacks and you have to basically keep all these different, you know, tactics in mind and um, and use that to kind of turn the tide of battle in your favor. And it's like, you know, those kinds of games, it's like, I wasn't as much into them when I was a kid. I didn't have the patience for stuff like that very well. <laughs> but, um, you know, as I've gotten, you know, a little bit older, it's like I've gotten to really respect how much, you know, thought has to go into these games to actually, you know, finish a battle. And, um, you know, these things just tend to hook me in, you know, big time on it. Especially, like I was saying, with the Disgaea stuff, because it's like, that's one of those things where it's like, the strategy gameplay is like, really, really good. But the characters that that you're, you know, controlling and like, the story around it, it's like, they got so much charm and personality. It's like, you, it's like, you almost tolerate the strategy gameplay just to get to the next cutscene with the character interactions and stuff like that, because it's so well written and so, you know, well acted that you just, you can't get enough of it. And uh, especially that original Disguise game. That That is one of my favorites of all time. I think that's my favorite strategy RPG, now that I think about it. I've started that thing, let's see, how many times has it been? 
maybe three or four times. And one of these days, I'm actually going to get all the way through it. Um, seems like I I was playing the original on the PS2. It's like that was where it launched originally was on the PlayStation 2. And um, I remember I was, you know, I had a, or I brought my PS2 over to my grandparents' house. Uh, this was maybe my early 20s, something like that. I was uh, helping to keep an eye on my grandfather when he was, you know, starting to decline. And um, I was playing a lot of Disgaea when I was, you know, over there, you know, kind of caretaking for him, I guess you'd say. And um, and uh, I had got really far in. I want to say like chapter 11 or chapter 14. I mean, that was like pretty close to the end. And um, unfortunately, I think that was around the time he started taking a turn for the worst. And I just kind of fell out from the game after that. And um, yeah, that's been a long time. And I just I keep wanting to go back to that original PS2 save and finish it up. But it's like it's one of those things where it's like oh, there's been some remakes out. So it's probably better to play through the story like just to get a fresh memory of it um, on, like, the modern consoles and then go back to the PS2 one after I'm, you know, after I've already finished it on another platform. It's one of those things that's, like, it's, like, on my gamer to-do list, but I just never really seem to have the opportunity to do it or I just, you know, get distracted by something else. <sighs> Sitting down and focusing on one thing is... Really, really difficult. I've been trying to do that with uh, Neo, The World Ends With You, which has been really good, and I've said that numerous times on this show. And I will continue to say that numerous times on that show, because that's like an underrated gem. Didn't perform all that well as far as sales go, but, um, you know, it's it's a lot of charm, great dialogue to it. And I know they gave it a lot of crap uh, when it came out, because they made some localization changes. You know, they tried to make it more American hip than Japanese hip sometimes, I guess with the, uh, with the way they wrote the characters. And, um, that kind of ended up derailing the momentum for the game. It's like everybody kind of turned on and that's what resulted in the sales being lackluster. And it's like, you sit down and you play it. It's like, yeah, there's some lines where it's like, eh, that's obviously modern American internet culture rather than what you'd expect from a game taking place in Shibuya, Japan, you know, in Tokyo. <laughs> um, but, um, I mean, overall, it's it's really, really good. Great characters, great gameplay to it, actually. You know, it's like one of those action... It's like an action RPG-type game, I guess you'd say. And um, good stuff, good stuff. Great soundtrack to it, too. And true to the real-life Shibuya, it actually has a licensed appearance of Tower Records. You remember Tower Records? Not many people probably do at this point. But yeah, they actually have the uh, real-world Tower Records in there. So that's that's pretty neat. i got to give them credit for that. That's pretty neat. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I need to spend some more time with Triangle Strategy. I only played about an hour of it. Um, my mistake for playing something too late at night. (sighs) 
Whenever you, when you finally get a few minutes to play something for yourself, uh, that's when you fall asleep. <laughs> but um, but yeah, Triangle Strategy, it's absolutely worth checking out if you like the uh, Final Fantasy Tactics style games. And uh, next up, and my last thing for pickups and impressions, is something that I think I mentioned on the last show because of some issues with with my own personal pre-order. Uh, but Amazon finally got their copies of Pocky and Rocky Reshrined, and I finally got my paws on it. And let me tell you, I love the Super Nintendo era stuff. Because there's just some sort of charm and personality to it that you just don't see in any other games nowadays. And this one, it's kind of nebulous what it is. Is it like a full remake of the second Pocky and Rocky? Or is it a reimagining? Is it a full-on sequel sort? I mean, it's just, there's no real firm definition from what I've heard or what I've been able to find as to what, canonically, this Pocky and Rocky game is. But whatever the hell it is, it plays like a Super Nintendo game. And I mean that in absolutely the best way possible. So basically, you have um, a, uh, I think it's called a Shinto Shrine Maiden? I could be wrong about that one. I, I, I try. I try so hard. And usually fail. <laughs> but um you have the uh the shrine maiden uh Pocky and this talking walking raccoon named Rocky and basically you go around these different stages which go up and down and side to side it's like um i mean it's it's like a weird mix of on rails but you know, at the same point, it takes the di- takes different kind of turns than uh, like a, tradi- a traditional shmup would. You know, I mean, shmups are usually just kind of pretty much straightforward, no matter what twists and turns the camera angles may take. But this one is like an action adventure type game where you're making your way through these levels, but your primary means of attacking is like for Pocky, she'll like throw those. Um, I-, I can't remember the name of them, but it's like those. Uh, little uh pieces of paper that you know i'm, I'm going to use the sailor mars example like ray hino would like put these like pieces of paper with uh, some japanese calligraphy on it and it would basically you know defeat some demons or something like that so basically pocky is like chucking these things at all these different ghouls and ghosts and zombies and whatnot just like you would if you were just holding on or, or you know pressing down a button in a traditional shmup. I mean, we're talking just left and right, left and right. And, you know, you're picking up these different, uh, you know, these different pickups that um, will either increase the power of Rocky's projectiles, or Pocky's projectiles, or Rocky too, really. And um, you can also change, you know, change what you're throwing. It's like they'll have like different types of attacks depending on what uh, pickup orb you uh, get your paws on. And, I mean, it's it's weird. It's like a, it's like a hybrid of, you know, a, you know, a top-down action game meets a shmup. And it's ridiculous, but it works really, really well. And the aesthetics of it 
are straight out of the Super Nintendo. It just looks like it came out in like 1992 or something like that. And um, I haven't gotten very far with it because it is tough. It This game will kick your ass, let me tell you. You have to actually unlock very easy mode in it. <laughs> it's like you have to try it on normal and fail uh, enough to earn like three thousand coins you know when you hit enemies they'll drop coins or if you hit an object they'll drop some coins there too you have to gather i think it's like three thousand coins in order to unlock very easy mode and it's like okay they want to make sure that you're giving this enough of a try so that like if you gather three thousand coins which you know i i think i got maybe like 800 in the span of like 45 minutes or something like that. So, I mean, you need to put in a little bit of time, quite frankly, getting your ass kicked by this game, um, uh, in order to even unlock uh, the very easy mode, which, you know, I'm kind of divided on stuff like that because, you know, very easy mode isn't intended for, you know, the typical the typical gamer, like, you know, like many of you would, that are listening to this show. Very easy is in, intended for people that have picked up a controller for the very first time and they just so happen to play, be playing Pocky and Rocky Reshrined. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you need to just kind of cut them a break, <laughs> you know? Because, I mean, beating a game on normal or hard, I mean, there's a lot of sense of satisfaction to it, of course. But the shit's supposed to be for everybody. And when you lock the very easy mode behind getting your ass kicked for a couple hours on end, that's not exactly very um, welcoming. You know? But, um, you know, that being said, I mean, I'm having a great time with it. It's one of those things where it's like when you get your ass kicked with it, you want to try even harder to get through it, you know, at least in my, in my case, and it's probably the same way for most people, but it's like, you know, when you're playing this, uh, you know, you'll make your way through a stage and up and down and side to side and stuff like that. It takes lots of, uh, twists and turns, but there's also like some checkpoints along the way. It's like, they don't make a big deal of checkpoints, but there's like, like half stages, if you will, in there. And, it's like you can kind of return to like just before like a big boss fight or something like that if you get a game over. And this game uses lives and continues and stuff like that. So if you uh, lose all your lives, uh, you have to replay at least a portion of the stage. Maybe maybe all of it, depending on how far you got. Um, you know, but basically, you know, I mean, it's it's the kind of game where you just don't see it very much. It, I mean, it's like one of those things where you, you pick it up and if you play the Super Nintendo, it's like you're going to feel right at home with it immediately. And um, and I have. I mean, it's a great, great game. It's also very, very difficult. And there's actually co-op for this as well. I, I want to say it's two-player co-op. And I haven't had the opportunity to test it out yet, but... For some reason, I want to say you have to unlock it by collecting 10,000 of the uh, coins 
uh, throughout the game to unlock the free mode. I guess that's how it works. That's my understanding of it, at least. I haven't spent a ton of time with with this stuff yet, but, you know, that's basically my understanding. And um, if you have the opportunity to get Pocky and Rocky Reshrined, I'd do it sooner rather than later. Because apparently uh, pretty much everything Pocky and Rocky that's come out before this, there was like two games on the SNES and one on the GBA, at least over here in America. I'm not sure about over in Japan. I'm sure they probably got a few more that we didn't. Um, Those things are like four-digit expensive. So this thing could very well take off in the same way. I mean, most likely it probably won't. It'll probably just be like 100 bucks or something like that. <laughs> but um but yeah, I mean there's there is like a rabid market for the po- for the Pocky and Rocky games apparently. Cuz I mean, for for the prices to get up, you know, around 1000 bucks for I think it's like the GBA game or something like that. Uh, yeah, that means there's people out there that are willing to pay that for it. And if there's people willing to pay that for it, that means they know it's good. <laughs> but um, that has been what I've been playing and what I picked up this week. And unfortunately, when I am out of pickups, that means I am also out of show. And I would like to thank you for listening to FOMO's a Mofo, and please be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. FOMO's a Mofo is now available on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Deezer, Podcast Addict, CastBox, hey, I was right about that one from earlier, Podchaser, and GeoSavan. And if you have a few minutes and want to do uh, do the show a solid, uh, drop a five-star review or whatever star rating you want to use. I mean, hey, I know there's room for improvement. You don't have to fluff my ego with a five-star review. I mean, it's appreciated, but you don't have to. <laughs> uh, if you can uh, drop a review on uh, either Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you are listening on, then those kinds of things help greatly with the uh, visibility and whatever metrics go on behind the scenes that I don't fucking understand. (laughs) And uh, also, it's greatly appreciated. You can follow the show on Twitter at FOMOZAMOFO or my personal account at BlueSwim and get subjected to wrestling reactions and uh, random funny internet videos. Well, that'll do it, everybody. Hope you have a great week, and happy collecting, everyone. Peace.